2: Abner Meris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Meris, We'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is today. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ, his American dream, sports, music, culture, and family life, being a husband, and even being a girl dad. Listen to On The Hook with Abner Medis, wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays, and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays.
0: Blue Wire.
1: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants Football Podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co host Nick Velado. Today's pod, we're going to dive into the defense on the All 22 against the Dallas Cowboys and we'll start here because this was an interesting matchup coming in you were going against the Dallas Cowboys team that was one of the three best offenses in the league entering this game they have unbelievable talent I mean unbelievable talent at the skill positions with CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup who very well may be the best contested ball catch receiver outside of Allen Robinson in the NFL right now oh I'm sorry outside of Allen Robinson and DeAndre Hopkins in the NFL right now you have Ezekiel Elliott, you have Dalton Schultz, just in case you needed more. But if there was one weakness, it was at the offensive tackle positions where Lyle Collins, out with injury, Tyron Smith, out with injury. So the hope was that a guy like Lorenzo Carter can have a breakout game. Unfortunately, a guy like Lorenzo Carter suffered a torn, a ruptured Achilles. He's done for the year. That's a tough one to come back from. But we do and should touch on at some point in this pod, how the Giants were not really able to generate pressure with what was left at the edge positions. And if they're not able to generate pressure with what was left at the edge positions against these two tackles, I'm a little skeptical that they'll be able to do it in general this season. But first, before we do any of that, I want to go over some of the formations that Patrick Graham used in this game to try to counter a Cowboys team that was heavy 11 personnel, as they damn well should be with those three receivers. Uh, and so what did you see from the tape that's, that showed you what Patrick Graham's philosophy was for trying to counter this offense?
2: Yeah, from a fronts-wise, it was very similar to what we've seen. A lot of 3-4 with a three technique, one technique, and a five technique, some 4-2-5. They threw in a couple odd fronts, so like tight bear in certain situations, but not as much as we saw in the first two weeks of the season. Saw some 2-4-5 with the two down linemen being two-eye techniques and from a coverage standpoint i thought we saw a lot of creativity once again now there were a bunch of plays where patrick graham would show dak prescott and andy dalton either two high pre-snap one high or possibly three high so it's very very vague so it's hard for dallas to decipher but then post-snap usually logan ryan or it could have been Adrian Colbert, would drop down to the hash in a robber-type position. And then from the far side of the field, James Bradbury would bail and take a half the field deep, deep half of the field, while Darnay Holmes, who was the apex defender, would come and replace James Bradbury's spot. Now, this was a creative way to try to bait Dak Prescott into making a mistake especially on underneath throws to that number one receiver because if Dak was maybe a little bit more of a neophyte he might see James Bradbury bail and then see his receiver and say if it was a quick hitch or a route like that he sees the bailing Bradbury he could throw it that way totally not account for the apex defender kind of swinging underneath the play. So I thought that was a creative way to try to get too high while disguising the fact that you're not or try to get too high while disguising the fact that you might not be in a too high because you want to play too high against this team because they have so many receiving options you want to protect the vertical game and like we kind of talked about before with Dallas's offense how many big plays did they have against Seattle against Atlanta they had so many big plays and the Giants did a really good job limiting that by keeping too high safeties but you don't want to show that pre-snap because when you show that pre-snap what are they going to do they're going to run the ball with Ezekiel Elliott and that's a big reason why they had so much success because there were plays where they would just show too high and they had to play too high dallas knew it they would just run the football so you don't have a safety in the block in in the box and it takes that safety a very long time to fill the b gap coming down from 15 yards off the line of scrimmage so it puts such a pressure on the linebackers and such a pressure on the defensive line and that's why the cowboys were able to run the ball very effectively against the giants because the giants had to play those safeties deep
1: Yeah, and that was leading into my next point, which is why were the Cowboys able to run the ball so effectively? But I think it's kind of just pick your poison here. Again, the Giants aren't a defense at this point, and I don't know too many defenses this year. We won't get a chance to see this. Obviously, now that Dak Prescott is out because Dak Prescott no matter what any of you want to believe is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and has been since the start of last season. He really improved his game on a a really trajectory that to me is amazing because the quarterback that I saw in 2016, the year he took over for Tony Romo, is not at all the quarterback that I see in 2019 or 2020. He's really improved his accuracy. It's incredible stuff, but again, this is not really, it's a a kind of a pick your poison uh, matchup for the Giants with what they have personnel-wise and really for any defense. So I think, what they did was the correct way to try to counter this offense. You don't want to let them beat you deep. They have too many ways to beat you deep. And you don't have the corners that can play man coverage deep. Um, and you don't really want to put your sa- one safety in that position. Because you know Dak Prescott will pick you apart that way, so I think they did a great job there. So I, I really don't have too many qualms with the run defense. Because even so, they did a really excellent job, in my mind, of stopping a few things still in the run game. They stopped, and they've done a really good job of this all year. And I want to give credit to Kyler Fackrell on this, and I want to get credit to Jabril Peppers, who only played twenty eight snaps, but made one of these stops. They've done a really good job of stopping endarounds and jet sweep action they had was a one really good negative play they had on amari cooper in this game which was a fat peppers play and you've seen that all year it's a really disciplined defense on runs like that
2: yeah the giants are pretty good in in those kind of uh, situations with their safeties the safeties fill very fast very aggressively they're excellent in their run fits they come down and they execute the b gap run fit very very well which is their job that's their primary run job is to come down make sure that the running back doesn't run through that B gap. Everybody, you know, there's the force defender who sets the edge, forces it inside, and then it's on that safety. Like we have talked about with Jabril Peppers, he's typically good in this situation. I feel Logan Ryan is very good in yep. this situation as well. Comes down and delivers a very aggressive hit, and that's exactly what you want your safeties to do. And I feel like they did that very well in this game. Peppers had a couple reps that was really good in that kind of uh, in that same light as someone like Logan Ryan and did you see on the first drive for the cowboys they went no huddle they were trying to capitalize on what the rams did so it's a copycat league they were trying to capitalize on the rams they knew the communication for the giants back end was very very good but patrick ram came out with a different kind of game plan here there wasn't as much switch coverages on the back end but this time they were playing a lot of drop zone they were playing a lot of the replacement kind of zones, rotating the safeties a little bit. So they would have, say, a safety on the near hash, and then that guy would rotate to between the numbers and the far hash, or maybe a little bit closer to the far hash, and then while that far side safety, or that boundary safety would drop and take the deep half. They did that a lot to make sure that they had two safeties deep, as I talked about before, but they did this in a bunch of different ways. And it was creative, and it was definitely well thought out by Patrick Graham. You could tell Patrick Graham knows what he's doing from an X's and O's standpoint. He's making this defense, which has some players that you're not overly confident about. He's making his defense very, very competitive.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. It's funny because you watch this defense on all twenty-two, and you watch what Patrick Graham does with this defense, and it's so creative with the coverages. It's like that even the plays you talked like you talked about a bit earlier with James Bradbury dropping from the the boundary to inside to almost a safety position right after the snap, and just some of the and it helps to have a player with the savvy and awareness of a Bradbury that they obviously didn't have before this. I mean, Janoris Jenkins was a good solid cornerback but he wasn't the most disciplined cornerback i've ever watched on film but what really strikes me with graham and why it's like night and day from watching his defense on tape from james betcher it's that he's able to capture that creativity with his coverages but not overcomplicate his things for no not overcomplicate things for a bunch of new guys and new faces in the secondary guys like you know, guys you just didn't expect to see back there even before the season. Remember, Joel Peppers returned for this game, but he only played 28 snaps. That means guys like Adrian Colbert played a lot. That means guys like Logan Ryan, who's obviously his first year with Patrick Graham and his first year in the Giants, played a lot. That means Ryan Lewis played a lot. I mean, you have a bunch of new names playing at that third level for the Giants, especially with the McKinney injury. And yet, despite that, he's really able to do a lot of creative things back there, and still not overcomplicate things. You still don't see as many—I mean, how many mental? We don't see mental lapses in this defense anymore, which is unbelievable when you consider the youth and the and the faces that have changed back there.
2: Yeah, and also you see them communicating. Logan Ryan is always communicating with these younger players. You see Ryan Lewis communicating on his under calls. Whenever the receiver's stem goes inside, he's yelling towards that linebacker who's in the spot zone. And also another thing that I've kind of realized is on these plays with the linebackers, I think I might have mentioned this last week, I saw it a lot on film, is when they drop to their zones in the intermediate parts of the field, they always turn towards the strength and they look through the receivers to see if any of those are coming on horizontal crosses and usually on the back side of the play on the weak side of the play a safety is dropping down to the robber position this isn't consistent with every play but i saw this several times through this game where logan ryan would be that weak side safety and he would drop to basically remove any inside breaking route from amari cooper so if amari cooper was running some sort of slant quick slant quick post skinny post anything like that logan ryan was trying to bait dak prescott to throw in that football right basically to logan ryan and that was definitely something they were doing and the linebackers when they were dropping to the depth of their zone would turn their bodies slightly to the strength of the formation looking at the three receiver side to kind of just intercept any of those routes coming across so that's definitely something that i like because it's definitely keeps the the strength of the cowboys offensive formation in check
1: yeah I mean it's an excellent point Amari Cooper came into this game averaging over 100 yards per game 100 yards per game he had two receptions for 23 yards on four targets in this game the Giants had an excellent game plan for eliminating Cooper and part of that is the fact that James Bradbury is legitimately one of the three or four best corners in the NFL the Giants slam dunked that free agent signing along with Blake Martinez but even more so and I just watched this defense man and it's hard to not get excited about the future of this defense when the giants actually give patrick graham more pieces to work with i mean again the past three first round picks have all been offensive players we know that and that is obviously not great for any defensive coordinator but he's making the most of what he has out there it's really impressive to watch um and you know and another guy we didn't mention darnay holmes another new face another rookie another guy that he's molding in a certain way as a coach and i really think patrick graham man he was a hell of a hire by the giants
2: yeah he absolutely was he's definitely seems like this defense plays incredibly hard for him they're still rallying to the football in hyper speed and they're also just no blown coverages outside of that one last week to cooper cup it's crazy and they just faced dallas and that i mean you know Sucks for Dak Prescott, but he was there most of the game mm-hmm. and they were able to keep this team in check except for CeeDee Lamb up the seam, which we figured would be a liability for this. the yes. way the Giants play this defense, especially if they were going to play too high, which they did a lot of the time, not exclusively, but they did. And they did play man coverage. They did play zone coverage. They patterned a little bit. They match zoned and they did a lot of spot drop kind of zone coverages, but... C.D. Lamb tight to the line of scrimmage up the seam right behind the linebackers was something that was going to be an issue for this team and it happened to be because the safety was always just a little bit too deep and couldn't crash on it and the linebackers didn't drop to a deep enough depth to kind of remove it. So all it took was a really nicely touched pass from Dak Prescott to exploit that, and it happened several times throughout this game. So that was definitely the biggest liability, and the fact that they could run the football on a team that couldn't keep a safety near the box was another liability. But these are kind of give and takes. You're not going to be able to eliminate anything football's a chess match.
1: Yeah, I think this is, like I said, I could go over the C.D. Lamb issue. You could go over the run defense issue, but I think in both spots it was kind of... Uh, You know, again, remember, this isn't a matchup of the 86 Bears defense against one of the best offenses in the NFL, and that's exactly what the Cowboys were for most of this game until Dak Prescott left this game. That's the kind of talent they have on this offense and the kind of execution they've had in the second year with Kellen Moore. And really, with Dak Prescott, he deserves all the credit that he's getting from other players, and, and other, I'm sorry, other sources. Like, you know, a lot of Giants fans have wanted to write him off, but he has become that elite quarterback, and he does it with his reads, and he does it with his ball placement, and he's really aggressive in spots that you don't see quarterbacks be aggressive in. And so, giving up some plays to C.D. Lamb, and giving up some run plays when you have to play too high, it's kind of just to be expected, I say, and for the most part, it kept the Giants in the game, this defensive game plan. It really did. It gave them an opportunity to win. They had two really, really bad situational possessions, I want to call them, Nick, that I want to go over with you, because I do think they ultimately played a major factor in the win versus the loss, and that's twice in this game, in a span of, with the Cowboys only working with sub, with less than a minute, in both situations they let the cowboys go the entire field once for a touchdown once for a short field goal um obviously to win the game at the end of the game now the one at the end of the game was two awesome catches and a really really egregious holding call that would have stopped the whole drive honestly it would have put them in second 18 with no time to get downfield so let's maybe get get away from that one because i think that one can kind of easily be explained but how about the first one toward the end of the half because that one Really, really hurt the Giants. They gave up a score, a touchdown. With what was it? Did the were the Cowboys working with thirty-eight seconds there? How how many seconds were they working with? And it to was start? twenty-three seconds when they scored the touchdown. And how many were they working with to start the drive?
2: Yeah, when they started the drive, it was fifty-one. Fifty-one seconds.
1: seconds they started the drive and they went seventy-five yards for a touchdown.
2: Yeah, they dinked and dunked and they used the C.D. Lamb, which was definitely the biggest liability for this Giants team and when they were playing zone coverage when they were playing three high even because that safety was lining a little bit too far off the line of scrimmage and they hit cd lamb i want to say twice deep on that drive three times in total and that was also compounded by an adrian colbert unnecessary roughness which honestly watching that game i thought he was going to get ejected for targeting (laughs) (laughs) i'm a little shocked that he did not and i honestly think colbert played a lot better than I initially expected just because this is like a former seventh round pick a couple years ago coming in and i'm like who's this guy he's but playing like an ever, almost an every down role for he's this very defense. physical he's very physical yeah. i'm not just saying that because of that <laughs> brutal hit that he had but cd lamb up the seam and then there was the cedric wilson touchdown with dak prescott which was the philly special so it's this kind of trick play that was well executed by dallas but on that drive they were playing a little bit of zone they were playing a little bit of two man under too high safeties with man covered underneath and the skilled position players of the dallas cowboys just beat the new york giants in those situations and then that 15-yard penalty definitely did not help but before i go on any longer let's take a quick break to hear a word from our lovely sponsors even though sports had a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need. Just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free... $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates you will see fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st
1: ultimately that drive can be tacked down to just matchups Just Cowboys taking advantage of matchups and Dak Prescott being a really good quarterback in the two-minute drill I'm fine with that but I do think the Giants situationally situational football there needs to be better they can't give up a touchdown on that drive they need to hold that to three um aside from that though what about the pass rush in this game because I think that as far as the strat like the way the Giants played the Cowboys I'm good with but I'm just not seeing enough one-on-one wins there with the Giants pass rush because there's a lot of plays where they're blitz where they're rushing forward and you need one-on-one wins and you get them occasionally from the interior guys there was an awesome rep against my boy Tyler Biotish the Cowboys starting center there's an awesome rep from Dalvin Tomlinson against him late in the game once Dalton came in where Tomlinson kind of uh, kind of kind of froze and flipped him with an inside move and then got the sack but I think ultimately you're just not seeing enough one on one wins. Can that change or is this just kind of the story of the twenty twenty Giants?
2: I mean, you're gonna really have to rely on these pass rushers playing to the best of their abilities because you just lost Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Zimenez is on the IR. You don't really have a lot to work with. You're signing Trent Harris, who had two sacks last year under Patrick Graham, who played significant snaps with Patrick Graham in the last two weeks of the season, got two sacks in those two games. But he's was not drafted, so I don't really have that much on him. I'm not expecting him to come in and be a Lorenzo Carter type of pass rusher. And even Lorenzo Carter probably isn't a premier pass rusher in the NFL in terms of just a number one pass rusher on a team. So you're dealing with Marcus Golden, who was playing like 16 snaps last week, and Kyler Fackrell, who's out there for being just a competent player, not necessarily for his pass rushing prowess when it comes to winning one-on-ones. It's going to be difficult from a pass rushing perspective for these guys to win one-on-one. They're going to have to rely on the stunts that they did on that egregious B.J. Hill hold, which was an egregious hold, and that would have probably forced overtime. It overtime. would have forced
1: overtime. Second and like, 18, there was not enough time to get I, them to
2: field. Run, I right? don't want to blame that the Giants losing on that because there no. were so many factors. Honestly, if Blake Martinez makes the tackle on Amari Cooper, the play prior to that, and that might have forced overtime yeah because it would have been a third down cowboys might have just ate it and go to overtime instead of allowing the giants to get a drive and possibly get into field goal position with that putrid defense that dallas has so but blake martinez who's been solid he just takes a bad angle amari cooper outruns him and then amari cooper is able to get the first down and the rest is history but that was a really really bad hold but on that play that was a excellent stunt marcus golden took out the guy who was originally blocking bj hill bj hill gets to the outside gets underneath the the blocker who just was late to even realizing that bj hill was there and just held bj hill bj hill flails his arms and it looked like the ref was going to throw the damn flag he just didn't but you know i guess you can't cry over spilt milk at this point Hmm. but it's going to be difficult for the giants to generate pass rush i kind of like what graham did with darnay holmes though Darnay Holmes was used several times throughout the game on the blitz five-man pressure package to the weak side of the formation. So those were a lot of the times we saw Darnay Holmes flowing to the outside when James Bradbury bailed to the back half. On some plays, you know, he would act like he was bailing to the back half, and then he would just come on that blitz right away, right at the snap, and the Cowboys didn't account for him on a couple of different occasions. So that's definitely something I like, and you're going to have to get creative with your blitz packages in order to generate enough pressure because you have three very talented, big defensive linemen, and then your edge position is just kind of weak in terms of winning one-on-one.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, I think, Part of it is they got to find a way to get Dexter Lawrence on the field a little bit more. He only played about half the snaps in this game. I'd love to see him on the field more. I feel like he's 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 actually better than people realize at generating pressure. But obviously, that doesn't kind of answer the edge question. Um, you know why? You know how are they going to generate pressure in those one on ones? But. I think ultimately it's going to be a team that generates pressure as they get more comfortable within the scheme, and you start to see more of what you saw this week, which was pressure from from like you said, the nickel position, and just Graham deciding to bring extra blitzers. So that's a good th- that that that's something to build on. My my next point would be we got what we wanted, Nick. A lot less Devontae Downs and a lot more Tay Crowder.
2: Huh, yeah, and that's what we needed too. That's what every Giant fan needed. And Tay Crowder played, I would say, relatively. I thought he. Looked fine on film on a couple different uh, plays scraping over the top, putting himself in position to make tackles on the outside towards the C gap and like within the tight end who was blocking the edge player. I mean, pro football focus kind of just absolutely annihilated him. I know he <laughs> did have a missed tackle in space yeah. that I do remember as well. I thought a couple times in coverage he dropped to the depth was a little bit far, but he might be being coached to mm-hmm. do that. But he gave up underneath routes, putting him in tough positions to make tackles in space. But I'm just going to say this. He is a much better player than Devontae Downs. So I'm going to take him out there any day of the week. But with that said, it's Mr. Irrelevant. It's a rookie Mr. Irrelevant out there, and you're relying on him for 50-plus snaps.
1: Yeah, and again, I still think, like you said, he didn't have the best game, obviously. I mean... Doesn't take anyone to notice that, and yet he was still more effective on the field than Devontae Downs because he wasn't blowing plays like Devontae Downs seemed to do on a really consistent basis, at least twice per game. So I'm excited there. I think there's going to be room for improvement there with with Crowder, and I think overall they're already at a at a better in a better place than they were with Downs on the field. Any other players you want to touch on in this game? I mean, I really think at some point we should use every podcast to at least mention how well James Bradbury plays this game.
2: Yeah, and James Bradbury, he's starting to be somebody like in fantasy football where you're like, oh, the, we have this number one receiver going up against down. the Giants. It's, yeah. it's shutdown mode, and he's not restricted to one side like we thought he was going to be. After week one, I think he played almost all the snaps on the left side, but now he's been floating around a little bit. He plays on the left. He plays on the right. He'll shadow certain receivers, and Amari Cooper is that type of receiver that you're going to shadow, and he did a pretty good job. I thought Ryan Lewis was solid as well. I guess you could say. I mean, he missed a couple tackles that I saw where I thought, okay, you need to make that kind of tackle. And he also got beat on the Michael Gallup play, and which is embarrassing and it sucks, but he's going to lose probably those kind of matchups sometimes. And Michael Gallup ran a really good route, basically almost stacked on top of him, and then Ryan Lewis lost his balance, and the rest, Gallup just jumps up, climbs a ladder, makes an yeah. excellent contested catch, somehow gets his feet in bounds. But other than that, it's not like he was exposed the entire game. Yeah, no doubt. I
1: mean, you go back to what you mentioned, though, with Bradbury. It's like, it's not just the Amari Cooper example. Alan Robinson, another guy who's averaging just a just a tick under 100 yards per game in four games this season except for when he played the Giants and he had three receptions for 33 yards and Bradbury shadowed him in that game and he had nine targets in that game so it's not like he wasn't thrown at I mean uh, unlike the Cowboys who basically said all right we're gonna just go away from Bradbury we have Lamb down the seam almost every play and if not we'll go to Gallup or we'll run the ball or we'll go to Schultz they tried to go to Allen Robinson and Bradbury shut him down so it really has been just a slam dunk signing there
2: absolutely and i mean when we signed we were happy but my in, really, yeah my initial takeaway was we're getting a, an above average corner somebody who's not going to be one of the best at his position but somebody who it, can step in and be a modest number one but would be like the best number two in the league
1: yeah without a doubt
2: but he steps in and he is right now top five corner he's in the been league.
1: better than byron jones somehow it's amazing it's <laughs> awesome stuff
2: I mean, we rail Gettleman a lot, but Blake Martinez yeah. and the James Bradbury, we got to give him his due when it comes to that.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad this will be how he kind of closes it out because, I, 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 again, I mean, <laughs> it would be a miracle at this point for Dave Gettleman to keep his job. It's just the proof is in the pudding, and Matt already said, like – we told Gettleman before the year we agree, we came to an agreement. Things need to improve from a win standpoint, or you won't be back. So, but it's good that he ended on that. I mean, it will be bad if Andrew Thomas doesn't step up because it's obviously more important to hit the number four of our pick than a couple free agent signings, um, at least in my mind. But you know, let's let's wait let's wait that one out. But yeah, definitely kudos to Gettleman, like you said, for those two signings
2: absolutely and i want to go over one sack real quick in the first quarter yeah let's break down some plays yeah let's do it first and 10 548 left in the first quarter this was one of those darnay holmes blitzes it was a five-man pressure package and this was also one of those plays where logan ryan drops down significantly fast from his position to try to eliminate any inside breaking route from amari cooper on this type of play that we're playing the sticks and they have four men across the field with james bradbury basically shadowing maybe it was a meg call i guess you could say which is man everywhere he goes i know patrick graham has used that somewhat a little bit i think i've seen throughout the games so basically there's going to be zone everywhere but amari cooper is going to be followed by james bradbury but on this play in terms of the blitz from darnay holmes dexter lawrence does an excellent job beating zach mark by being at a three-technique position and shooting towards Zach Martin's inside shoulder and then ripping through to flush Dak Prescott out of the pocket. Dak Prescott has to step up, and then Marcus Golden beats whatever tackle they decided to throw out at him with Darnay Holmes blitzing in and just annihilating Zeke, which you don't see a lot because Ezekiel Elliott, and I hate to admit this, is probably the most complete back in the National Football League, with a healthy Saquon Barkley, because he's so much better in pass protection, and I just don't think Ezekiel Elliott is capable of getting injured. He doesn't. It just doesn't seem like it. He also runs. He also has better vision. Let's be honest. Oh, he has much better vision as well, and he's he's a physical. He's just not as his athletic upside is just not as right. quite there as. But Darnay Holmes lowers his shoulder. Mind you. Darnay Holmes is like five foot nine, mm-hmm. five ten. They were listing that, but he's like a five foot nine, one hundred and like ninety five pound guy. And he lowers his shoulder and bullies Zeke back to get to Dak Prescott and help Marcus Golden finish his sack. That was a really good play though by Dexter Lawrence, who's not going to get any stats. I was just going to say it's
1: so funny. This is the first play you brought up because this is the one I had highlighted. Like this is such a good example of why stat, like following the box scores, is such a bad move because Dexter Lawrence beats the one of the best guards in the NFL. For forces this this sack doesn't happen without him and yet in the stat sheet it goes down as marcus golden and darnay holmes the half half
2: yeah and that that's an excellent move you know the kind of agility you need to from a three technique position to shoot into the a gap and then lower your outside shoulder rip through a pro bowl guard and then the pro bowl guard has to turn his back Zach Martin turns his back to try to get the Dexter Lawrence. And if Dak doesn't readjust in the pocket, Dak's dead in the pocket. So th- that was an excellent play by Dexter Lawrence.
1: And one thing I really did like about this game was how often Graham turned up the pressure a little bit, brought a nickel blitzer. So let's go over another play where he brought a nickel blitzer on this and it ended up ultimately working out for the Giants.
2: Yeah, it was a second and five, 11.58 left in the second quarter. And on this play, Darnay Holmes is, you could say, kind of on the ass of Marcus Golden initially, but the Cowboys motion number 11, Quincy Wilson, over to his side. And Darnay Holmes goes out with him. But if you look at the alignment, you can kind of tell Blitz because about 10 yards off Darnay Holmes, Logan Ryan is directly behind him. Now, this is usually a tell, but there are plenty of plays where you see Logan Ryan in this same exact position where Darnay Holmes does not blitz. He Logan Ryan from this position will drop down, eliminate the inside breaking route of the number one, or he'll do something else. Maybe he'll shoot to the middle of the field. Sometimes he'll drop to the deep center of the field and play center fielder. So this is one way, though, you can kind of tell blitz a lot of the times. But one thing I like about it is Patrick Ram does a good job disguising it. But on this specific play, Darnay Holmes does blitz. And Logan Ryan, it's man coverage, ends up taking his assignment. So the ball is snapped and... Dak Prescott immediately looks because he senses the fact that Darnay Holmes is about to blitz Logan Ryan kind of crashes down real hard it's a quick pass to Quincy Wilson but Logan Ryan and James Bradbury but or actually it's Ryan Lewis both rally very very quickly to mitigate this gain of force a third and one that was ended up picking up because Dexter Lawrence jumped off sides but on that play again Logan Ryan is being used as a centerpiece of this defense he's being used in a variety of different ways and patrick graham is showing the same look and executing several different coverages and several different assignments based off of that look and it definitely mitigates the offense's ability to be have some sort of clarity going into a play pre-snap because there's so much post-snap movement and on these third and shorts there's so much pre-snap movement that they have no idea what exactly is coming and it's amazing to me that they're
1: able to from a schematic standpoint use so much pre-snap and post-snap movement and yet not have the blown coverages we saw all of last season with James Betcher's defense it really shows the difference in coaching from Betcher to Graham and uh, I'm just as pleased as I can be with Graham as defensive coordinator right now I think it was one of the biggest moves the Giants made all offseason
2: now imagine if they had a true pass talent rusher.
1: imagine if they had a one-on-one on one, uh, and one or two pass rushers who can win one on one-on-one the Redskins right now sorry the Washington football team right now who the Giants play this weekend have three guys who can win one-on-one on one. the Giants have zero imagine if they had one or two or maybe three imagine if they had a little bit more talent let's be honest in the defensive backs imagine if they had another linebacker like Blake Martinez I mean He's still so many pieces away from having a super talented defense, and yet he's doing all this with so little. So to me right now, I'm just as impressed as I can be with Patrick Graham.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's hard to disagree with it. The Giants defense, yeah, the Giants are 0-5, and and usually 0-5 teams have these terrible defenses, but the Giants defense by a lot of metrics are a pretty solid unit, and there's just a lot to kind of take away from that.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, DVOA is one of the best ways to evaluate from an advanced metric standpoint defenses and offenses it's not like pro football focus it's not based on individual grades of players it's a formula that's really been known to be pretty accurate over the years and the Giants are 15th middle of the pack in defensive DVO which is actually really good considering they're 29th in total DVOA and on the offensive side of the ball well that's a disaster where they're 32nd and when your offense is 32nd in DVOA and you're 29th overall, but you have a defense that's still able to be 15th best, middle of the pack, with, like we said, a lot of holes from a talent standpoint and an offense that's not producing at at, at anything but the worst level. It's a good defense. It's a really good defense, given the circumstances. So, again, all I can say is I'm impressed, and I think we're headed in the right direction there.
2: Absolutely, and the Giants are 11th right now in opponents passing yards per game. They're 15th in rushing yards per game. And I think they're 19th in points allowed per game. So, for a team that's 0 and five, who is set to pick what number one overall in the NFL draft, that's a pretty solid at the moment. Right? At the moment, that's a pretty solid defensive unit.
1: Yeah, no doubt. All right, anything else you want to touch on on the defensive side of the ball? Do you have any other players or plays you you wanted to break down?
2: Now, just in the upcoming game, watch Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and Ryan Kerrigan, and say, "Damn, I wish I had one of those guys in blue." <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, at this point, if Andrew Thomas has stepped the hell up, I'm gonna be so sad that they won that overtime game against the Washington Redskins last year. Washington football team, it was it was, it was sad at the, it wasn't sad at the time. I was happy for Jones and the team, but you know, Chase Young versus Andrew Thomas might end up being a bigger difference than we th- when we had hoped. So hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully everything becomes a good surprise. And Andrew Thomas has a really good game against Chase Young. That would be awesome for everyone involved. But until then, we'll speak to you later next week. Or actually, again, we're gonna have one more podcast drop this week. So keep an eye out for that one. Uh, special guests joining the show. But until then, we'll speak to you later. And as always, go Giants.